Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for Maundy Thursday, April 14th, 2022, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good evening again. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the epistle lesson for this evening. The sermon text rounding out our series on the first eight chapters of Romans is taken from Romans 7, 7 through 8, 1, can be found on page 1755 of your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Romans 7, 7 through 8, 1. What then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through that which is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know, what the law, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate." Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this evening you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Some of the best advice I ever received about pastoring and about theology in seminary came from Pastor Bob Lee. In the midst of one of our never-ending rapid-fire, how do we do this? How do we prepare for that? Those sessions, Pastor Lee simply stopped and said to us, gentlemen, find the tension and live there. I've never forgotten that statement. 
And it becomes immensely applicable for us tonight. As we wrap up our Lenten series on the first half of the book of Romans, and as we consider the Christian life in light of all the richness and depth of theology delivered to us in the first half of Romans, and as we try to sort everything out in the midst of two seemingly contradictory statements that frame our passage from Romans this evening, we're going to find lots of tension. And our job as Christians is to live there. The first of these two statements is a common Lutheran confession, but it's only implicit in the text. It's not said directly. Nevertheless, it is there. The, the Latin way of saying it is lex semper accusat. The law always accuses. On the opposite end of that spectrum, you have the great and glorious gospel promise that closes our passage. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, how do we, as Christians, living our lives in the real world, sort those two statements out? They, they, they occur just like 15 verses apart from each other. What do we do about that? The key, again, as Pastor Lee has said, is to find the tension and live there. And as we will see, that's exactly where the Christian life is lived out. And so, turning our eyes back to Romans 7 this evening, we turn to the phrase, the law always accuses. Paul opens our epistle lesson this evening, continuing his argumentation from chapter 6. In chapter 6, he said it this way, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And in chapter 6, his whole argument was rooted in our identity in Christ, which itself was rooted in our adoption as children of God in baptism. In chapter 7 now, he looks at the flip side of that coin. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? This is the cosmic problem for the Christian. What are we to do about God's law? How do we handle God's law? How do we deal with it? If our sins are entirely forgiven, if we're saved apart from our works or any contribution on our own, what are we to do about God's law? On the one end of Christendom, you have people who teach essentially that the gospel is good and the law is bad. Paul addresses that straight away. He says directly, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. The law may show our sins and our failures, but that doesn't make the law bad. It makes us bad. Just because the law makes us feel bad about our standing before God in our own unrighteousness doesn't make the law bad. It just identifies our badness. Now, on the other end of the Christian spectrum, you have others who teach that the gospel exists only for the conversion of unbelievers. In, in this sort of economy, the Christian life 
becomes a matter of mastering the law in order to demonstrate our piety or our holiness or our sincerity or our commitment or something along those lines. But Paul also addresses this. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. If we try to live our Christian lives defined by obedience to the law, we will fail. We will always come up short. Because, again, the law always accuses because the law exists as God's holy and perfect standard. We are not now holy or perfect. So what are we to do? We exclaim with Paul in exasperation, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Every time I go out setting out to be holy, I fail. And then I fail again, and I fail again. And I am trapped in this cycle where the law just beats me down. And so Paul, almost literally, right in the middle of the book of Romans, drops this phrase, drops this life preserver for us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is on the opposite end of our two extremes we're exploring tonight. But how can this be? How can it be that there is therefore now no condemnation? We've just covered very briefly, very succinctly, very concisely that we sin, even as Christians, over and over and over again. How can it be that there is now no condemnation? I think one of the most common issues I have encountered as a pastor is Christians' inability to believe this statement. We can't possibly believe that there is no condemnation. I'm such a miserable sinner, surely I deserve punishment for that. And Paul writes to us, there is therefore now no condemnation. And we cry out again, but, but, but. And the Bible says, no condemnation. But, but. No condemnation. It's right there for us in the words of Scripture. God's own word. How can this be? Jesus Christ. Jesus was punished and condemned in your place and for your sins. But how can this be? You are by God's own declaration, connected to Jesus Christ, connected to him by faith, connected to him by baptism, connected to him by holy communion. Jesus stands as your substitute. 
So how does this all come together for our daily lives as Christians? Right now, the law still accuses you. Right now. There is a reason I chose the Ten Commandments as the Old Testament reading. Read through the Ten Commandments and you don't get very far before you see your failures. The law still points out to you where you fall short of God's standard. And yet, as a Christian, the gospel still also frees you from condemnation. So that in the end, because of Christ, you have a different relationship with the law. The law shows you who God is, and you celebrate with praise and worship. The law shows you how to love your neighbor, and you go out and love. And the law still shows you your sin. But the difference is that in Jesus Christ, when you see your sin as a Christian, you repent. You don't try to heap up and pile good works in order to impress God or distract Him from your failure, and you don't run and flee. When you identify your sin, you repent. The law always accuses you. It always shows you your unholiness. It always shows you your failure to love your neighbor. It always identifies your sin. But in repentance, there is always grace and mercy and forgiveness. And this is the reality of the Christian life. So often as Christians, we confuse the accusation of the law with the condemnation of the law. We confuse the law identifying our sin with the law executing judgment against our sin. This, for Christians, I believe, is the main deception of Satan. Satan deceives us and teaches us to despise God's word and question his willingness and ability to save us because every time we hear the law, we want to cringe. We want to recoil because we are sinners. But every time we hear the law, God would rather have us turn to him and repent and cry out for mercy because your sins have already been paid for. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because Christ has already been condemned for your sins. In fact, he has been condemned for the sin you are thinking about right now. The law can accuse you, but the law can no longer condemn you. The wrath of God has been satisfied. Punishment has been executed. And as a child of God, you stand free. Entirely free. No condemnation. You stand free to love your neighbor. 
the various neighbors God has given you in your vocations according to the commandments. But you also stand free to repent. Jesus' blood, the blood that he shed on the cross and the blood that he places on the altar always forgives your sins. Which means in repenting, God always forgives your sins. The law always accuses, but God always redeems. He always saves. He always has mercy on his children. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.